The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos are the only egg-laying mammal? It's not because they have to, though. It's because they want to. (laughs) (laughs) For more armadillo-related facts and to unlock bonus content, check us out at www.patreon.com slash armadillopodcastingclub. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 11 through 15 of The Fires of Heaven, book 5 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, Dark Hounds attack and Rand just goes buck wild with his balefire. It's one of those like new hammer, everything looks like a nail situations. <laughs> Uh, Then he has a really tense conversation with his ex, who has some serious boundary issues. Uh, Egwene gets really creepy judgy with her dream spying, and uh, at that point, Rand's Isle crew is, like, finally ready to roll out of Viridian, so that's that's game on. Uh, After that, we swing back by NDA just in time to see a flawless execution of what we affectionately call the NDA special. Uh, ditch your security detail and go spring a trap. <laughs> uh, luckily, Tom and uh, Julian have kind of gotten the hang of this this whole pattern, so they're just kind of waiting for the chance to unspring them from the trap. Yeah, maybe that's, that's why Rand and Moraine sent Julian and Tom with them, because like they knew they were going to spring all the traps, and they were like, "Okay, just follow them and catch whoever catches them." <laughs> I mean, he is the thief catcher, right? Yeah. Chapter eleven: The Nine Horse Hitch. With the icon of the Flame of Tarvalon. So Swan and company arrive in Lugard. And this is uh, another city. Uh, we're going through cities pretty fast now. Yes, I'm having a little bit of trouble keeping track of where everyone is. Because they're, they're doing that like travel thing. But they're not doing the boring travel thing. Where they just like go to the same town over and over again. Yeah. They're actually fast traveling. Which I appreciate. Right, yeah. I, these cities are kind of blending together for me now. Unfortunately. Because Robert Jordan is... It's still really good at describing these cities. You oh, know? yeah. Um, Lugard is a trader city that's got... It's full of warehouses and inns, and it seems like a crossroads type place. Um, but uh, we learn that Swan has a plan for Loghain. This is part of her grand revenge plan, whatever mm-hmm. the heck it is. Yeah. But uh, once they get to Lugard, Swan manages to contact a Blue Aja agent. Yeah, tapping into the old spy web. Let's hope this works better for them than it did for NDA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think Swan would have drank that tea. <laughs> Probably not. But Nynaeve was just trying to put that woman at her ease. Remember? Yeah. Oh, she yeah. was like, she seems really nervous. I better drink some tea to make her feel more comfortable. <laughs> but this Blue Aja agent, I guess that other one was a Yellow Aja agent, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he had the little yellow... Because uh, Nynaeve was working with yellow, uh, yellow Aja for healing purposes. Right. And so she knew the little flower trick, flower ribbons. So this agent is a uh, innkeeper in this rowdy kind of crossroads town, and this this lady is fun. I kind of yeah. wanted to hang out with her more. I know she's great, <laughs> and I actually kind of love like Swan learning how to navigate the world as you know not being the Armorland seat. She's she's like struggling, obviously, because she's like, oh, if I were the Armorland seat, I'd be you know, I'd have this person you know doing penance for six months or something like that. But right, yeah. But right now, she's smaller and weaker and less important than this person, so she has to behave completely out of character for her. Mm -hmm. Much younger, too. Yeah, and and this person's like this kind of outgoing, backslapping innkeeper who's like, I don't know, how would you describe her? She's a businesswoman. Yeah. Yeah, Body and boisterous. Yeah, she's got dyed hair. She's very matter-of-fact. She knows what she's selling. Yes, true. Right. Um, And I I wanted to point out that one of Swan's... (laughs) Fishery aphorisms here is, caution gets the boat home, but sometimes boldness brought back a full hold. Which means nothing. That means it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah. How is this a useful saying? I mean, it's... Be careful, but sometimes don't be careful. Do you think maybe if she'd spent less time trying to think of fishing metaphors, 
or <laughs> axioms. Maybe she would have known what was going on in the rest of the tower with Elida. That's right. Maybe she was cooped up alone in her tower like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Like, <laughs> Let right, me write that like down. A, a right, journal right of silverfish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has her journal of, of fish metaphors. But yeah. things are not, it doesn't seem like things are going well for the blues at all. No, yeah. She yeah. says too that one of the that one of the other blue eyes and ears had vanished. Yeah, right. So I guess none of the blues are working with the tower at this point, and the tower is hunting them down. Mm, well, yeah. the, them and it looks like maybe they're allies too. The yeah eyes and ears. But the the message for uh, being distributed along the the blue spy network is Sally Dara. Which, they don't know what it means. That but... seemed really obvious. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Salidara to Saladar. I mean, it's yeah. not a I huge mean, logical leap. But Saladar, it's like a... Yeah, that's that's right. Swan was like, oh, I knew exactly what that meant. This one Amarillo seat way back a thousand years ago was from that town. Except it's just Saladar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Saladar. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to sleep that out. That's all I'm saying, you know? And so the message is, go to Saladar. Mm-hmm. Which is right here on the map. Yeah. Yeah. Saladar, the land of... Salady Greens. That's what it's known for. It's named after it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we get just enough men to remind us that she is boring now and is boy crazy. Yeah. Because she just thinks about Rand and she thinks about how, hmm, Leanne is sure is getting male attention. Maybe I should make myself sexy for Rand to look at me. Yeah. No. You know, man, you were doing just fine just being yourself, you know? Rand likes you for who you are. Don't try and be like Leanne. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Min would have fallen in love with Rand if she hadn't seen the vision indicating that she was going to fall in love with Rand. Oh, so it's like in the Matrix when she's like, oh, you wouldn't have knocked the vase over if I hadn't told you don't worry about the vase. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. I think it was a vase. I can't remember. Whatever. Uh, first, I want to say that this woman, the mis- Mistress Tharn, is a total bro. She's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell him I'm still, she's saying, I'm still loyal to the blues. I've worked for them for so long, I wouldn't know what else to do with myself. I was like, yeah, right. she's cool. I like her. Also, I think she's right. I think Swan needs to loosen up a little bit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what, show some leg? I, I mean, no, not necessarily, but, you know, but quit taking herself so seriously. Mm, yeah, it's true. She's not the Emerald seat anymore. She can't be, like, walking around like she needs to order people around. It bothers me how predatory Robert Jordan makes working men. It feels mm. like. Because it seems like every time you have a woman walking anywhere in public around just regular working people, they're all going to say, like, nasty things or they're going to get really sexually aggressive or suggestive. She constantly has that. Or you'll have women who do have power thinking themselves, you know, if I if I wasn't a nice Sedai, they would have said something. Or it, 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 it's just gone to the part, it's kind of bugging me. Like, I guess I notice it more now because you do have... Swan thinking to herself, like, I don't have this power anymore, otherwise I would do something bad to these men for saying rude things to me, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you know, you said Mistress Tharn was a bro, and that seems like that's a an adaptive strategy for dealing with these predatory men, as you be, like, the more the most bro-y bro of all. Mm-hmm. You're, you're back-slapping, and, and it says she, she makes... Ribald jokes that are that are even dirtier than the ones they make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she outdoes them. That's how she she is able to to manage this situation. Yeah. And Swan is used to having godlike power, mm-hmm. uh, but she doesn't have that now, and she doesn't have any other adaptive mechanism for this. Yeah. Know? It just it it bugs me. I guess it's it it's feels not... like it feels like Robert Jordan is saying that if you're a working class man, then you're gonna just be ribald and. I'd say it's a little narrower than that because there are a lot of working class men that aren't that way in these books. Yeah, there's, there's farmers, there's like... Yeah, there's like in-help, there's, there's stable hands. Okay, I guess it's, it's just it's like... It's specifically like merchants and traveling merchants guards. Yeah. yeah. The other place that I remember this happening was in Four Kings, if you remember that, in the first book. I remember it because this was during that chapter we keep complaining about where they just went to these crappy towns over and over again. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I blocked that part out. But in, Four <laughs> Kings was a merchant town like this. It had mm-hmm. a lot of merchants passing through, a lot of warehouses and traders. Yeah. yeah. And it said that the, the, the same, kind of the same thing, women who walked through the street kept their eyes straight forward and didn't respond to anything mm-hmm. and that the the merchants and, and the workers passing around were like screaming curses at each other and shouting at the women or something yeah so it's I, I'd say it's you're, you're onto something here but it's, it's a little bit narrower where it's these traveling people who are far away from their homes kind of become animals mm. and I don't know maybe he thinks this is what truckers are like 
Maybe. I mean, he in this specific instance I'm talking about, it says that they were wagon drivers who were going to make comments about what they would do to a pretty young woman alone. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of like truckers in this world, wagon drivers. I tell you what I'd do to her. I'd lend her my overcoat so she didn't get any rain on her. She wouldn't even have to give it back or nothing. <laughs> I'd make sure she made it home safe. I'd escort her. And then when we got to her place, I'd bid her good night and walk away. <laughs> I'd help her out with her calculus homework. <laughs> oh, yeah. Calculus. Good and hard. I'd take her behind the grocery store to get boxes to help her move to her new home. <laughs> uh, I, 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 part of the impression I got is that this is like a Lugard thing, too. Like, Lugard is, is kind of a place that is a little bit, like, a little bit more ribald and... But I don't know, that that's was, where Pat and Fane is originally from. Yeah, that's true. He has that occasionally has that Lugarder accent when he remembers who he's Pat and Fane. Yeah, but Lugard this this isn't a a coastal town though, right? It's not. Okay. But it's it's kind of a crossroads area. Yeah. Know? Okay. But then you also have Leanne still doing her super sexy Damani magic. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is this is interesting because it seems you, we had this whole long conversation and even some email exchanges with some listeners about the Leanne situation where she talks about how I don't want to be too sexy around Loghain because that might be dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this seems 20 times as dangerous as Loghain could possibly be. Uh-huh. She walks into an inn full of, like, drunk, horny jerks and, like, sexes them all up. Mm-hmm. To the but, point that there's, like, a riot. Yeah, they almost start fighting each other. And, and, but then she's able to just tune it down mm-hmm. with, by using her sexy powers somehow. To diffuse the situation. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be doing a lot of complaining right now. Mm -hmm. I am. But another thing is, but Swan kind of at times is being really judgmental about it, even though she's the one who tells Leanne to go make nice with Loghain, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she even says like, um, she, she, uh, she was looking at one of the signs and it, uh, for one of the inns that was called the Damani Wench's Kiss, which was a Damani woman who was bare to the waist. And Swan wondered what Leanne would make of that, but the way the woman was now, it might only give her notions. <laughs> like, that's very judgmental and also, I mean... Yeah, that's, yeah, that that's doesn't harsh. make sense. I mean, yeah. She knows Leanne, right? Leanne mm-hmm. is one of her closest friends. Yes. As much as Swan has friends. I mean, she's literally the only friend she really has now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, who's had her back at every single every single step of the way here. Uh, but it made me think, too, about other times that young women in the series have been judgmental towards each other in terms of their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we see that a lot with the women, especially like Egwene and Nynaeve getting um, all worked up about each other, throwing themselves at another man or something. Right. Or Nynaeve at, uh, at Elaine. For yes. Her yeah, that was a real common one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, chapter 12... An old pipe. Icon of a bull. This is a new icon. Yeah, it is. This yeah. is the icon of Gareth Brine. And the, I think the bull is wearing a... I think they say he's, the bull is wearing the crown or something around the, his neck. The rose crown of Andor around his neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's kind of a cool symbol. I like that. This, this yeah, thing. it's neat. So Gareth Brine is in Lugard now. He's followed them this because he just... Want some of that swan action. He says he has to know why she broke the oath, which seems very weak to me. I think he just really, he's like, you know, he's into her, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, maybe we could call this a Taveran thing. Oh, yeah. Where everybody true. gets their lives changed. That's exactly what I wrote down later, that mm-hmm. it must be. It's crushing hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he gets to Lugard, and one of the first things that happens is his hat blows off and gets run over by a wagon. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. really... Which really sucks. That sucks, yeah. What a disappointing way to enter a town. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I guess I didn't like that hat anyway. <laughs> Man. We also learned something very important. Oh, oh Yeah, but I, I wanted to point out, we, we talked a bit about how all the inns have these sexually explicit or implicit uh, meanings, which uh, none of the women in the previous chapter would, would think about. They just like would not look at it and move on. Mm-hmm. But Gareth Brine uh, stays in an inn called The Wagon Seat. And what he thinks is... The painting on the sign gave the name an explicit interpretation. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very Gareth Bryan way to look at it. Oh, that's yeah. good. So he's on the trail. And uh, I really like him. I, I, 
kind of want more of him. Him and his men, you know, these, these sort of, these old soldiers, I, I find them very charming. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I said this before, this, this, this like, it's this little, like, platoon of old soldiers that's adorable. Like, they're just, like, <laughs> he, he comes back and they're all just, like, sleeping, <laughs> and then they, like, they wake each other up and they're all having, like, their tea. Because, <laughs> 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 like, every time they stop, they, they have to have tea. <laughs> it's like, oh. They're so damn cute. Yeah, right? And he thinks, like, yep, that's what old soldiers do. They sleep when they can and then they have tea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we also learned something very important. Uh, Johnny is not dead. <laughs> this oh, is yes. the person that got beamed in the head with a rock by a little game. We were like, pretty sure he was dead. Well, apparently it's not. That's good. Yeah, he yeah. made it. I mean, no thanks to anybody who was present. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> who like, left him in the road. Yeah. With his skull, you know, possibly caved in with a rock. <laughs> but he's okay. And he has no animosity. Yeah. Towards the women. For some reason. I know. Yeah. That's, that's so I'd, sweet. I'd have a little bit of animosity. I mean, like, just a little bit, right? I mean, you know, he's been down this road a few times. Things happen. <laughs> he's a soldier. He's like, yeah. <laughs> think that's the first time I got knocked out by a giant rock? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but they get some bad news from Andor. Basically, Gabriel, who we know as Raven, yeah. is consolidating power. And he's brought in a whole bunch more soldiers that are loyal to him personally. And he's minimizing all the soldiers that were loyal to Andor and Morghais. But, uh, you know, Gareth Bryan's like, not my problem. Yeah. This is heartbreaking, though, because he's talking about how his family for over a thousand years has been protecting in service to the Queen. Mm-hmm. And now it's just gone. Yeah, he even talks about they might have to change his house sigil, which is the bull with the rose crown around his yeah, neck. Yeah, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get, like, I don't get the impression that he really is done with more gays and you know in his heart it, it definitely feels like he's still sore about it well you know he, he even mentions that he's it's like an accomplishment to be able to say her name without like feeling something you know mm, yeah so i think it's still probably weighing on him that all the stuff is going going wrong right. and or but uh, that's a bit all that's uh, about all we get from him yeah um gareth bryan has a whole thing where he's talking about this one time that he did see swan sanche mm-hmm. um and I didn't quite understand what it was about here, because Swan and Elida and Morghese went off somewhere together, and when they came out, Morghese was super pissed off, but she was also kind of abashed. Um, mm-hmm. And I really didn't understand what that was about. And then it says, um, Morghese told Gareth Bryan to take all the troops out of Murundi, and then Swan Sanche got really pissed off at him about it. I did not really understand what, that was, go- what was going on there. I think it's... It was just some Game of Thrones type thing yeah. where they, they had some angle that they wanted to play mm-hmm. and they, they kind of bullied more gays into doing what they wanted to do, which mm-hmm. had nothing to do with Gareth Bryan yeah. okay. or the interest of Andor. But uh, I think Morghese was just embarrassed that she was being bullied by the Amarillan Sea. Okay, I didn't know if there was something part of like a greater plot there. Or you Not think that was... I know of. I okay. think this was several years ago. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. They, they mentioned at several points how the Aes Sedai are constantly going around trying to prevent wars. So I think that's all this was, because this is with the Mirandian border, border lords, right? Yeah. So this occupation with troops could have bubbled into something more serious. Mm. And so it could just be like, let it go. Don't don't yeah. start a war with these people. Make Andor back down. Yeah, because mm-hmm. because the the Aes Sedai know that it's important that there's that the nations are as strong as they can be, and war doesn't do that, right? Okay. So they at, at this point they knew that the end was coming sooner rather than later. So they wanted every every all of these nations to be as stable as possible. Okay. That's my suspicion, but there's not a, not a lot of context for it. Okay, I just thought it was significant to mention that this was one time when Gareth Bryan had met. Swan, Sanche, and known who she was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's the purpose is more to characterize Swan as somebody who <laughs> can bully a queen and get away with it. You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. And also to highlight how ironic it is that he doesn't recognize this woman he's chasing is the same woman that, that was able to give orders to the person he used to take orders from. Yeah, mm, That's a good point. It's because... It's because the Amarillan seat had glasses and a ponytail, and this one doesn't have glasses and a ponytail. That's why she's super hot. <laughs> Chapter 13, A Small Room in Sienda. Icon of an elephant. It's an elephant. So, Nynaeve Detective Agency are now traveling, and there's this whole thing where Nynaeve has to pretend to be Elaine's maid, and she's super awful about it. She's being such a dick. This seems like, you know, I've, I've been kind of on Nynaeve's side as much as I could be lately, but this seems super turdy of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they, they, even she agreed 
that she she plays the maid and Elaine plays the lady because that makes sense, right? I I feel like we must be building up to something because I think Nynaeve has actually gotten worse. These chapters where we have Nynaeve chapters and we see like her internal monologue, it doesn't excuse her behavior. It makes it kind of worse because all all she can think to herself is well, I mean, we're not there. We'll we'll get to her later, but mm-hmm. all all she tends to think to herself is well, I'm just doing the right thing, you know, which mm-hmm. is frustrating. But in, in this particular instance. Uh, yeah, she's just being a dick because she's not happy with the outcome of the decision that she made. Which is, this is not the first time. Mm-hmm. She was also about like this, about the fact that she told him not to take a boat. And she's really uncomfortable in the carriage. And she's like, ah, oh, wish we weren't on this carriage. And it's her fault, you know? She's mm-hmm. being awful. But the thing is, though, we get a really satisfying conclusion to that. Because Elaine calls her on it. Mm-hmm. And it's great. I love and she even says, if you pull that braid at me, you can ride on the roof with the baggage. And she's like, <laughs> and she's saying, I offered to do all these things for you. You are, she just told her, you're sulking, you're acting like a child, da 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 And she gets naive to basically admit that she was wrong. Right. As, as close as she ever gets. As right. close as she ever will, which was very satisfying. Yeah, you practically have to wrestle her to the ground to make her do that. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And I think it was an interesting contrast. I think... I do feel like it was a little out of character for Nynaeve. Yes, she is frustration. She is frustrating, but I felt like this was excessive even for her. Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting contrast to Elaine, who um, we can see is very much coming into her own and growing and developing as a leader, mm-hmm. which is cool to see. Yeah, I, I think that that before Nynaeve was was kind of was tended tended to bully people a, a lot, mm-hmm. and now these women who she travels with. Are are not in a, in a submissive position to her. They're 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 becoming equals with her in terms of like mm-hmm. wisdom and personality and such that they and don't. Power. They, yeah, and power, so they don't feel like they they have to be bullied anymore. So they're right. standing up to her, which is probably a good thing for both of them. I think that's good for Elaine. I think it's good for Nani to be told that shit because she's got to hear it. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's too used to people just doing whatever she says yeah mm-hmm. she goes back and th- is thinking about how back when she was the wisdom everybody would just do it she could just boss everybody around and do whatever she wanted to do and egg Wayne was just her little um trainee yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so traveling down the road they meet a menagerie yeah i know which it's is really circus. nice it's yeah. cool it's like a nice little uh episode that happens there's lions and pandas and capybaras and acrobats and elephants I know, it's pretty cool. Which they call giant boar horses. <laughs> I mean, it's not a great name, but neither is elephant, I guess. I, I like when, when Elaine's like, those are really nice boar horses, and the guy's like, giant boar horses. <laughs> <laughs> they are rather big, I suppose. And, yeah, they meet the charming guy, Valen Luca, that, that runs this menagerie. He's good looking with a well-turned leg, they say. <laughs> what do you think that means, uh, a well-turned leg? Plump calf? Yeah, maybe. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, well turned. Is it like with a curve on Maybe it? Maybe his feet point the right way? Yeah. <laughs> turned properly? <laughs> but it's interesting because he's talking, he, yes, the giant boar horses, but they're from Sharo, which I suspect is supposed to be Africa, right? Because that's he, where elephants come lying. from. Oh, you think he's just lying? Yeah, yeah. I think he's Aww. lying about that. Cause, oh, okay. Because uh, what Nynaeve and Elaine think is that uh, they've seen those and the, the Shanshan had them. Yeah. So okay. I think these are like leftover from the Shanshan, and this dude is just lying. Yeah. He didn't want to say they're from the invaders. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that because I'm really curious about whatever world exists outside of Rainland. Mm-hmm. Well, so so we've heard a bit about it. Like it's on the other side of the Iowa Wastes, and the the um, we know that silk comes from there, and we know that um, a couple of other things. Like I think is it the porcelain that comes from there? It's jade or something. Jade, like yeah. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think that there's, you know, it's supposed to be some sort of like the Orient or something, and I, I guess, but mm-hmm. but we we know very little about it. So yeah. Well, there's also there's elephants in like India and stuff too, right? That's true. Yeah. Mm. And there's a, a funny little scene here where the, this guy tries to charm Elaine and then tries to beg her for money. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and she basically blows him off. Well, naive. No, no. Elaine's like, yeah, give him some money. And then he gives him a penny. (laughs) Super dickish. Oh, man. Yeah. And then then she gives him a penny and then she's like, get a job. She she basically tells him to get a job. It's like, nice. Uh, Nice word, naive. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's make some friends, right? (laughs) But uh, they head on to the next town and the the circus had to leave that town because one of the elephants trashed one of the inns. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. And this, this is Sienda of the chapter title. And they take a room at the other end that doesn't get bashed in. 
And Nynaeve goes into Teleranriad. This is another situation where Elaine and Nynaeve are just going to, like, sit in the room while Tom and Julian go and do, like, recon and, like, probably, you know, solve... This is why Tom and Julian yeah. solved the mystery. I wonder how many traps Tom and Julian have, like, sprung and, and disabled before Elaine and Nynaeve even gotten to it. <laughs> I know. It's we don't gonna... even hear about it because they did their job. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, okay, they're going to bed now, so we probably have a good, like, five hours before they're, like, going to go wander around spring traps again. <laughs> Just going around town, springing them all. <laughs> Uh, yeah. This place is full of white cloaks, though, huh? Mm. I like the I like the innkeeper's uh, logic here. Um, she's really hoping that they don't find the horn, because if they don't find the horn, the last battle can't happen. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Does it? I mean... <laughs> yeah. Why did, I mean... why did no one else think of that, Jeff? Well, we, should, mean... we should cancel the search for the horn, <laughs> because then the Dark One can't escape from his prison. I know. I mean, you could still hope that... This isn't the time it gets found, right? Yeah, that's true. It's not the same as hoping that we don't find the horn in time and stop the last battle. I'm on the innkeeper's side here, damn it. Uh, all right, I mean, I, just, just to me, it, just, it struck me as kind of a funny logic. It's like, if they don't find the horn, then there can't be a last battle. So chapter 14, meetings, the icon of the ring. So Nynaeve goes to Teleran Riyadh. And thinks about clothing. And does think about her dress. An- another long and inane... For multiple pages. Yeah. Like, a really long time. Like, a ridiculously long amount of time that she is just thinking about clothes. If I could... If you could think and just and dress yourself any way you want, I would spend a lot of time doing that. That <laughs> think, would be fun, right? Thinking about... Well, it's just because you want to look pretty for Lan. <laughs> That's We true. know it. Right? Every time I think about Lan, my neckline just plunges. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the neckline of your pants, or <laughs> the neckline? <of> my pants. <laughs> you know, just like a little bit of a little bit of pubic bush, just a little bit. Just, yeah, just, just show them the pictures mount a bit. Yeah, right. Not just say, that. oh my god, why? <laughs> but anyway, Birgit shows up. Who definitely is not supposed to be talking to them, by the way. Yeah, hundred percent. She's not supposed to be doing that. Like it's yeah. very clear. Everyone's uh-huh. like, you're not supposed to talk. But to not them. only is she talking to the to Nynaeve, she's tracking the Forsaken for her. Yeah, she's doing recon. Even though it's made clear that she's in danger for doing this, and that Mogedian knows that Birgit is a problem. Yep. But that's... that's and this but is... I, I, It's kind of cool, actually, because Nynaeve thinks, oh, this is so dangerous, but Birgit doesn't care. If, that's if, just who Birgit she is. She really should, though, because like this is the one place that she's vulnerable. But she's a hero of legend. Yeah, she doesn't true. feel fear like that. No, that's true. There's another interesting note about Guy Delcane. Uh, he's he's kind of like disappeared, and she thinks she's thinking, "Oh, he's been spun into the pattern again," mm-hmm. which is the thing that happens. Yeah, so he's been born. Yeah, so yeah. He's a little Guy Delcane baby, like a, a squat baby with a bald head, and two, <laughs> two swords sticking up over his shoulders. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Like, is it? I, I was like, is that going to be become important within the events of this this book or the the near story? And then I was thinking, probably not. But then it occurred to me that time, she mentioned specifically that time in Teleran Riyadh is really funky. So it could have been that even though he was just spun out of the pattern in Teleran Riyadh, he could have been born 30 years ago. Maybe. Yeah, he could be land. I don't know, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh, Nynaeve has competition. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. They both have braids. He loves them braids. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so it's Something just kind of... a braid you can just grab on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> grab on that braid. Ride that pony. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of interesting, like, non-linear time thing that they were doing there. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, we also learned uh, that Mogedian is actually a word meaning a type of spider. Yeah. Like deadly poison, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, it makes sense. So these people all chose their nicknames, like their like online gaming handles. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like the be... Dragon or Lanfear or I'm Spider. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be koala. <laughs> and, and like, you know, 3,000 years later, they don't know what a koala is. They just know that the koala is this terrible, <laughs> yeah, forsaken this, monster. This nightmare. Uh, but Mogedian is missing, which is concerning. Like, as somebody who's good at hiding and doing things in the dream, that means that... Yeah. Like any spider, it's scarier when you lose track of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably in your hair. <laughs> yeah, so Nynaeve can't tell the others about Birgit. This is her own secret. Yeah, this, this because, is frustrating. Yeah, but it, it makes sense, right? Birgit is totally breaking the rules. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I, I think it's the right thing. I think 
Brigitte is right to insist that she doesn't tell anyone because she's not supposed to be talking to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> she's really not supposed to be talking to Nynaeve. But, but yeah, Nynaeve needs to figure out a way to funnel this information because otherwise it's not particularly useful if she can't mm. share it. It is pretty funny, though, because Nynaeve has also now started thinking in the sayings that uh, Elaine's old maid, Linny, says. And every time she thinks of one of those sayings, she thinks to herself about how much she really wants to meet Linny someday. No, I, so I, I really hope this happens. I, I think Linny would, like, grab her by the ear and dunk her head in a bucket or something. Yes, I, I want I, them to I meet. I think that's probably going to happen. Yeah, Linny's going to be like, Nynaeve, you're being, you're being dumb. And anyway, she's here to meet Egwene. After, like, ten minutes, that's like, ten pages of, as Alice More clothing talk. Clothing talk, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, Egwene and Nynaeve have these really serious dominance games now. Yeah. And she meets uh, Egwene and Melaine, the wise one, is there. Uh, Nynaeve lies about getting trapped. Yep. Which is pretty obvious that she got trapped, because that's what they do. Yep. And Nynaeve is really jealous, also, about Melaine and Lan, which is kind of out of left field. She, yeah, I, I like, mean, like, like, Melaine says, like, oh, we really respect Aunt Elaine, which is the old tongue for the man who is one whole country and is super cool, and we all respect him a lot. And he's such a badass because <laughs> he's carrying on this war, even though, like, the, his country's dead. He's not giving it up. That's what Land means. All of that. Right. And, and Nynaeve just, like, like go, turns green. It's like, she has no right to speak about him. It's like, what the hell? Where did this come from? It's a it's a theme in this book, because Elaine's doing the same thing. That... When is when is anybody jealous like this? In real life? Well, I, I mean, in these books. It doesn't really happen, though, because even, like, men who knows that Rand's affections are shared with other women, even she doesn't get that jealousy. Yeah, she, she's uncomfortable with the situation, but not jealous. Yeah. She doesn't get angry at the other women. Mm-hmm. Elena's thinking a bit a, a bit of it about Rand, because that's the whole thing with Tom, right? She's like, well, Rand is a man by himself. He's definitely going to be fucking around. That's, <laughs> that's, that's good, basically why she says, I should get with Tom. I felt like that was more of her Just, trying to justify her own actions. Okay, but. I, I also, that was around, but. that seemed like a completely different animal from Nynaeve just kind of cussing out Melaine in her mind when Melaine has shown no indication of being interested in Lan. And also, Lan, like, gave her his king ring. Yeah. And it has been nothing but faithful. And also, would never marry anybody else because he woos death like a suitor <laughs> woos a... What is it? Like a bridegroom woos a maiden or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. This is such a weird, inappropriate jealousy. Yeah. yeah. And we, and in fact, don't we know that... Is, isn't Melaine the one who's uh, trying to marry yeah. uh, into another family? We know, and Nynaeve doesn't, is, yeah, that, sure. is that Melaine is, like, engaged. Well, yeah. I think a lot of it is stemming from that Nynaeve is such a control freak, and it's in, it's incredibly hard for her to not be able to be with Lan when these women are able to see him all the time and interact with him. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Long-distance relationships are tough. Yeah, it's true. You know, Lan is never really described as being very handsome either, right? He's got a stony face. Is that handsome? <laughs> I don't... Well, you tell me. And eyes like blue fire or something? I mean, he's described as striking, but it's... It's never there's so, like Galad is described as very good looking. Right? Yeah, no, Rand is occasionally right. described as good looking. Rand and Matt mm-hmm. are, and Perrin. I don't think they ever do describe Lan as attractive. They, they describe hard. him using terms you would use to describe a uh, ceremonial statue. Craggy, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to point out that Nynaeve's stubbornness is actually becoming kind of a, a liability because at this point, Melan is telling uh, telling Nynaeve, "Be careful." This is a really, like, the, the dream realm is, is dangerous and you don't know what you're doing. And Nynaeve's, like, reaction to that is exactly the opposite. She's like, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to go wander around the dream. And that's like, this is like a serious problem because Teleron Riyadh in and of itself is dangerous and is also the realm of Mogidian, who we know is, like, has it out for her. So this is, like, a terrible uh, approach to everything. You know, it's, like, frustrating. Mm-hmm. We, we do get something, though, that I do like. Um... Nynaeve is giving Egwene the same old BS about Rand and don't let him get a swollen head, da da da, which I was I was really tired of. But then she says, try to help him hold on to himself. That's the best. That might be the best thing anybody can do for him and the rest of the world. I think that's good advice. Damn, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good advice. There yeah. you go. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Put that, away that, all that's... the silliness about like him trying to burst his, you know, arrogance or whatever. Like that's legit. Yeah, 
And that's something that nobody around him is really doing. No. So, chapter 15, what can be learned in dreams. Icon of the flame of Tarvalon. Nynaeve was warned not to go wandering around Teleron Riyadh, so I... she immediately goes hunting. Yes, of course she does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see it both ways here, because these wise ones really rub me the wrong way. I know. It, 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 it's, it's not clear to me... Well, it, it wouldn't be clear to me if I was in this situation whether they really were warning me away or whether they were just being their normal controlling asshole selves. They wanted they want to have control over Teleran Riyadh. No, yeah. I, I completely agree. I think their methods are pretty shitty, but I think that their intention is overall positive. Like, they, like we know that Teleran Riyadh is a place where you can die very easily, where there's like all kinds of weird creatures. Hell, we even know that with <laughs> I think his name is Slayer. Oh yeah, Slayer. <laughs> we know we know that Slayer just likes to like murder people in the dream just because he can, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty unstoppable for most people. So yeah, but the value gained from being in the dream world is worth the risks, right? Chasing the Black Aja is super dangerous, also. Yeah. But Nynaeve did that also. Mm-hmm. So I really see here where she's coming from. What she thinks is, I learned a channel by myself. I caught the Black Aja. I beat Mogadian. I'm a badass. And the world needs me to do this. Yeah. So, and all they're doing is saying, oh, it's dangerous. Yeah. That's and, not That's not going to stop me if I'm Nynaeve. And it was weird, too, because Melaine tried to get Nynaeve to promise that she would not go into Teleranria. And I'm thinking to myself, why would Nynaeve ever agree to that? Like, this woman has no control. She has nothing over her. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And she doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, she, she refuses to, to promise. Yes. Yeah, so speaking of... Nynaeve immediately heads over to the White Tower. Which is long overdue. We need to get some information. Yeah, well, this is the first hint they've gotten. Well, it's not the first hint, but they've only recently learned that things are not all well in the right White Tower. Yeah, and, th- and presumably this is not that long after they they learn that information. They haven't been... This might be the, the first time that they've actually been able to stop and rest since they learned that information, because yeah. you can't just do Teller and Riyadh anywhere, I guess. Yeah, and I will point out that this eventually turns out really well in terms of our good guys getting information they need. No, I, yes. I, I think the outcome was positive, but I think that this is a very risky thing for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. This is like, you know, like a, a toddler wandering the jungles of, you know, I don't know what's a dangerous jungle. Uh, Any jungle for a toddler? <laughs> I don't, there's not a lot of safe ones. <laughs> a, a place with, with, you know, panthers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes them a while to figure out what's going on. Even though Elida literally pops up in front of Nynaeve and says, I am the Amaralyn seed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nynaeve's like, Elida is Amaralyn. What a nightmare. Good thing that could never happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, Nynaeve heads to the Amaralyn study and begins to piece everything together from the, the new decorations of the Amaralyn study when Egwene shows up and sexually assaults her in order to teach her a lesson. I know. God, this is so wrong. Like, I... Egwene gives her a good talking to, which is nice, but then she, like, creates this this monster person to tear oh. her clothes off and, like... Yeah, and, like, yeah, like, and start doing horrible things to her that Nynaeve didn't want to think about. Yeah, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really fucked up. Which, like it, I mean, I mean, what do you think, right? So, from Egwene's perspective, Nynaeve is going to kill herself doing this because she knows Nynaeve. Nynaeve will never stop. Yep. She's like the Terminator, but ruder. Yeah. And... And so, so Egwene is going to do something really bad to her to make her stop. I think there are lots of ways to illustrate this fact without doing something like this. This is pretty horrible to me. I, I think, in many ways, Egwene, the direction Egwene's character is going, and I'm, I'm sure it's not intended this way, but she's becoming kind of monstrous. Like, the way that she's wandering through people's dreams and, like, spying on them, and, like, and then she's, like, doing all these, these torture things to, to Nynaeve. I mean, like, this is... This is a really, like, dark turn for Egwene that mm-hmm. I'm not really fond of. I, I'm i coming down on Egwene's side here. I think Nynaeve is not... She has been told multiple times by multiple people how dangerous it is to be here. And she's not understanding, and she's a danger to herself. Like, what it made me think of is the one time my parents ever spanked me was because I kept running out into traffic. Like, and <laughs> they kept... They tried, and they tried, and they tried, and that was the only way they could get me to stop. My dad had to spank me, and then, you know... I didn't go into traffic anymore. <laughs> I still think there are other ways to illustrate this than by, like, having her sexually assaulted in a dream. Like, that's, that's, that's like, that's an extreme approach. I, I mean, was she? Yes. A, yes, a big, is nasty... As close as these books ever get to sexually assault. Literally tears her clothes off. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I ripped her dress open. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
Fair enough. That was that was too fucked up then. Never mind. Yeah, right? Like cuz there was a time when one of the wise ones scared Egwene by turning into like a snake monster or something. Yeah, sure. Like that seemed like, pretty scary. Yeah, show show her that there are monsters there. Don't like assault her, you know? Like that I don't know. It just seemed pretty fucked up. Yeah. But he, and Egwene did and Egwene seemed like remorseless about it. She didn't even she was like that's just what she gets. But you're right. Nynaeve is extra headstrong in these chapters. Mm-hmm. Yep. She didn't seem to be this bad, but maybe it is some kind of crisis identity she's having right now. I guess, but the thing is, she also knows how um, vulnerable she is because how she can't she can't channel unless she's angry. So she knows how useless she can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it doesn't make sense to me that she's being so careless about her safety. It's 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 she. She's like an, an aggressive and, and stubborn person to a, to a terrible fault, like to the point that she would do something pretty pretty wrong in the interest of like. Being Although, okay, right. so let's look at this from another perspective, which I'm only thinking about right now. In the last year, Nynaeve has gone from being having a position of authority in a very small pond, right, to being on this desperate quest to rescue the younglings of her town, to becoming like becoming a trainee at a boot camp wizard school then being sent to fight the black aja which is like a, a spooky thing right like a a, a child story right mm-hmm. and you know and then eventually defeating the black aja and then defeating a forsaken and then winning a balefire fight and then meeting Burjit, the hero out of legend i mean maybe she's just having like a break with reality maybe she she like she believes she's invincible now. Hmm. Because she's taken all these insane risks, and they've all paid off for her. We, I mean, she's gotten trapped a bunch, but then something always rescues her. I mean, I guess. We, we spend a lot of time in these chapters inside her head, and she doesn't seem to think that way. But I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. She doesn't... She, maybe the risk isn't real to her. Right? Yeah. I do know that, that Nynaeve has probably never been scolded in her life, and this is, like, a thing that happens now. Like, when scolds her. Yeah, right. Which... I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just my personality, but it's, I feel the same way I do with whenever the wise ones do this, which is like, fuck you, mm-hmm. right? I, don't, I mean, even if you're right, I don't have to take this shit. Yeah. This, this is a, a major disincentive for me to keep talking to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they figure out a lot about what's going on by reading the Amarlin Seats mail in dreams. <laughs> this is an interesting way to gather information, but yeah, effective. I didn't know this was possible. This is a great intelligence gathering tool. Yeah. It is. Because you could just read everybody's mail all the time, right? Yeah, I, I, I would have so. thought it was like too too easy of a plot device, but they do say that it's been so long since anybody has actually been able to go into dreams in Tarvalon. So I guess that, yeah, yeah. I guess that's okay then. <laughs> right, and dreams are super dangerous, I guess. And they mentioned that the things are moving around a lot, which I, I was unclear whether that means that they're moving around in the real world, like they're they're awake and moving stuff around or is it just like the I, dreams or ephemeral I think weird? it means the more permanent something is in the real world the more permanent it is in the dream world so mail is fading in like and out like buildings don't move around but mail moves around a lot yeah mm-hmm. and if this mail wasn't being put in these boxes so it's usually kind of in the same place I don't think it would be in the dream world at all that makes a lot of sense and they learn for sure that Elida is the Armel and they see something that I thought was kind of funny She's as mean as a snake and as cruel as a cat. <laughs> what does that even mean? I mean, pretty obvious, right? Snakes aren't mean. Uh, I mean, aren't they? No. Don't they They're swallow really things whole and digest them alive? Yeah, but I do that too. <laughs> do you? You're as mean as a snake, my man. <laughs> <laughs> and as cruel as a cat. <laughs> I, I did like the bit where Nynaeve's like, oh, I see a picture of Rand and then a bunch of other pictures. I don't know what that is. But Egwene, who's had the same number of classes as Nynaeve does, mm-hmm. is like, yeah, yeah, that's Bonwin. You should have, you should have studied. <laughs> <laughs> you are not paying attention in class. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Th- this is just kind of a weird power struggle. Um, you know, it's, she learned, she realizes that she can't bully Egwene anymore, and um, seems to have like a kind of a strange reaction to it. So, which makes me wonder if this is like the beginning of a turning point for Nynaeve's character. That's okay. what I'm hoping. Because she had Elaine call her on it, and now Egwene has called her on it. Yep. So. So I'm wondering if this is like, this is when Nynaeve starts dropping this like pointless stubborn and and really like 
counterproductive stubbornness. I really hope so, because Nynaeve has so many positive qualities that I want to like her. Mm-hmm. It's just that she treats everybody else like shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and the same vein we do see Egwene developing as well like she's coming into her own as a as a person with of authority and a person of power Uh, she realizes that she has the tools to like interact with people in a way that she didn't think she could before yeah frankly I don't trust her Egwene? yeah she seems like she's turning into all the bad parts of Moraine yeah I I would say Moraine really is the smartest person in the room most of the time Mm -hmm. and Egwene just acts like she is yeah, I I, w- I would say that Egwene is using Moraine as a template for for her, what she wants to, as a, as an idol, as someone she wants to develop yeah. into. I'd say. So speaking of, Egwene goes to tell Moraine that all her plans are for nothing, and that Swan Sanche is gone, and that something crazy is going on at the White Tower, which Moraine takes with a plum. That was weird to me. I'm I how casually she seemed to take it. I yeah. I feel like a lot of what she's doing now is. Being very fatalistic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, this this is, to me, this is a very interesting conversation because as much as Egwene thinks to herself, oh, or, or even says, I think, Maureen, you're not reacting to any of this, I think that what we're seeing in this conversation here is the reaction to it. Because this, this conversation between Egwene and Maureen is, to me, a, a moment of vulnerability and honesty that we have probably never seen from Maureen before. And it, this could be evidence that she's just shaken by the loss of probably her only other confidant in the entire world, right? Mm. So if Swan is dead, then then it's just her. So maybe this is maybe she's she could start relying on Egwene as a new confidant. Right. I don't know. I notice that when Egwene comes in, Moraine is eavesdropping on Rand and Natal. Yeah. Their private conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which are mostly about how Natale is a Forsaken. I was wondering about that. So does that mean Moraine knows that he's a Forsaken? I think she has to. I think she, yeah, must, she has right? to, right? She like she would she would figure out why Rand is hanging out with this asshole Gleeman. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean and, and and it wouldn't be the only Forsaken that she knows that Rand interacts with. She knows that Rand is if, if not every time, she knows that Rand, on several occasions, has been interacting yeah. with Lanfear. So I think that's another component here, which is that Moraine has already realized that she can't control Rand. Her plans for Rand are, are bunk now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that Rand's plan of learning from a Forsaken and using the Aiel as an army of super soldiers is what's going to happen. Yeah. And so she's already kind of resigned to this. I'm disappointed that we didn't get any of that from Moraine, though. It seems like there's been a lot of changes in her, and but we haven't really gotten chapters that are explaining what's going on in her head. This is a lot of conjecture on our part. It's true. Yeah. It's, yeah, and it's very noticeable how icy she is when she gets this news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moraine chapters are pretty rare, and and when we do have them, they're, they they seem to intentionally avoid her thinking about like pretty much anything other than exactly what she's about to do. Yeah, she does. In a bit of an eye-rolling moment, say that she's influencing Rand now, like uh, <laughs> like you use Sidar, yeah, by surrendering to it in order to control it. Yeah, yeah. sure. You know, like women do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. It's like okay, yeah, we get it. But I do like uh, I do like this new interaction between Egwene and Moraine as as somewhat equals because it means that we're actually getting information that we may not have had before. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get. In passing, some information about uh, Egwene dreams. I know, I love these. Actually. Yeah, this is so cool. And e- even though Egwene is like, ah, these dreams are all meaningless. I don't know what this means. Yeah. They're cool. It's very similar to men's view, prof- not prophecies, but men's viewings. Visions, yeah. Visions. Yeah, that's, it's Robert Jordan's real talent for putting together symbols. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ro- Jordan's prophetic visions are some of my favorite little chunks that we, that we come across because they're always... Heavily like steeped in these like uh, instant like the symbology and these hints are they always kind of tickle events in the book in a way that you're like oh you know I know what this is they're they're subtle but they're they're kind of fun exactly you recognize what it is you already know but then a lot of times there's these tantalizing suggestions of things that we don't know yet but yeah. are to come awesome puzzle pieces yes yeah there's a there's kind of an interesting one with Perrin where they're talking about. Uh, we know most of the elements of, of Perrin that they're that are present in the stream. We know Fael, we know that Tinker is is his uh 
his new little like follower. But it's interesting that he mentions that every time the tinker gets closer to him, a chill of doom shoots through everything. And it's like, mm. oh, it's foreshadowing something. Yeah. Probably horrible. My favorite bit about that one is that she thinks everything in that vision was important except the beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Egwene. It's the most important thing. It's a really nice beard. Even though, yeah. do you feel like maybe Robert Jordan just threw in the thing about Perrin because he's like, oh, we haven't heard about Perrin forever. I'm just going to bring it in so our readers remember that he's a character. Yeah, probably. He's, yeah. he's one of the big three main characters. I do miss Who Perrin. Who is just absent. Yeah. Matt throwing dice with blood streaming down his face. Right, so that is that a reference to a specific thing that's going to happen, or is it just how Matt does business? <laughs> I was going to say this is just like this a is Saturday Matt's night for right? Matt. Yeah, <laughs> like Matt's in trouble because he's rolling dice. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then Tom Marilyn puts his hand into a fire to draw out the small blue stone that now dangled on Moraine's forehead. So I don't know what's up with that. Interesting. So, it, it, so that it seems like he's going to rescue Moraine, but from what? Yeah, it's he, there's there's there does seem to be a connection between Tom and Moraine that's that's kind of interesting. Um, other than the fact that they're both Kyrianen, right? Tom is not. But there, oh, okay. but but he, Tom recognized her from when she was Moraine Damodred in the right. in Kyrianen. That's right. Mm-hmm. So they have that connection there. It ends that perhaps she, Egwene, was closer to being ready to choose her Aja than she thought. Why is it that... Okay, so the girls, the, the these women, they want to be green Aja, right? The warriors. Mm-hmm. I get that, like, especially now at the end of days. That's awesome. Why is it also that not only are the, the green Aja the warriors, but they're also the ones who get to have multiple dudes? I think it's just because the, the, the warders are soldiers, and it's good to have soldiers if you're a warrior. Okay. That's my, my theory. I think that's it. There also might be some element of the fighting is a manly thing and being interested in sex is a manly thing too, so there's just the manly Aja. Okay. Oh, maybe. Um, but I don't think she's going to pick green. I think that's the indication here is that she's going to pick blue. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Which is a, a change. And remember they said all the young girls always think they're going to pick green because they want the D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but most of them don't. Mm-hmm. But Elaine's probably going to pick green, I suppose, since she wants to get the dragon D. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah. And Nynaeve is, you know... Super yellow. Super yeah. yellow, yeah. She's like, I'm about that healing. So, I like this better than the houses at Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah? Because people choose them themselves, based yes. on what they're interested in. That is true. And that makes a lot more sense. They also don't choose them when they're, like, nine years old or whatever. Eleven? That's also true. Eleven years old, sorry. Yeah. Have it chosen for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In most cases. By a wizard using a hat as a ventriloquist dummy. Which we're pretty sure Dumbledore <laughs> is using the hat. Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 16 through 20 of The Fires of Heaven. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Micah Spartan. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Please like us in real life. We're so likable. If anybody out there has a, a good name for Swan's traveling party, uh, like Nynaeve's detective agency, but for Swan, please email hello at thedragonreread.com and let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really, we're, we're stumped on this one. Yes. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.